I don't think that anyone who hasn't had any experience with this kind of uh, level that we're going to be talking about that Michael was at. And we've got, we got to remember, we look at Michael with, with uh, 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 esteem. We put him on a pedestal when we talk about this. He was the third pick. He wasn't the number one pick. So we're also talking about seeing, being able to understand that he wasn't deserving of everything that he got in. This will be very, you'll like this. You'll, you'll like this for you. What are we fighting right now? The algorithm, the algorithm would tell you that he wasn't deserving of that over the other people. Yeah. It has to go off your feeling, off your gut, off what your instincts, what you are. And so, when he says it, I think that his mother had really pushed him. And I did read in, before this movie ever came out that his mother was the one who pushed him to at least take the meeting with Nike because he didn't want it. He right. he either wanted and I, I and the way that they made Adidas sound. I don't. I know that he wanted Adidas because Adidas was that that brand at the time. Well, it was his favorite shoe. Shoe, but I don't think that Adidas was coming. I think it would have been. Uh, it would have been Converse anyway, because Converse was the one that was going to come with the money and with the other thing, right. uh, from what I've read in the past. But your mom, who's never been this business person like this, is going to come through with all of this? Or is this an ode to your the, the son looking at his mom and putting her in that place where this is how he sees it, Michael right. sees it? Because if you go back and you read, there's a lot of different things that other people are saying. Phil Knight has a different idea of how... Uh, the Jordan brand came to be. Jordan has a different idea. Jordan has spoke on it a few different times with a few different uh, uh, interpretations of how it went. Uh, mm. Sonny Vercario uh, says it's all him. Uh, so there's a lot that goes into this. Uh, well, I, I, I love when his mother said, <clears throat> when she's talking to Matt Damon, the NBA isn't going to be promoting my son. My son's going to be, be promoting, promoting the, the NBA. NBA. Uh, and then that feeds also back to what I'm saying about him being an 18 year old kid and not having the ability to make these decisions. Because I love when David Falk said he's a kid. He's not thinking about what he will have. He's thinking about what he doesn't have. So and like most. That's that's a strong blind. And that's how dude, people I, need I, to look I, at. I love that line. But what I was going to say was, imagine if young people in a position to, to get wealth and fame and, and and be in Michael's position, athletes. If they had the foresight to think that way, because they don't, and most young people don't, they think about what they want right now because they don't have it. But if you could really have the foresight and the maturity to go bigger picture, you know, later down the line, what's more important? We're all impulsive. We want what, like that line, what we don't have. And then you, you teach yourself to get away from that. But they did that <sighs> test. I talked about this on here too, where you could tell a kid they could have a bag of M&Ms at the end of the week. Right. Or they could have like three M&Ms today right now. Yeah. And they all take, almost all kids take the three M&Ms because yeah. like you said, you want what you don't have. <sighs> it's a great line, but I, I still, I think that there was a lot of people that were looking at Jordan because her, that, that statement, he's right. going to be marketing <clears throat> the NBA. Only, a mo- I believe that a mom would say that because only a mom would see it that way. Right. Only the mom would see it that way because you're the third pick. And I'm not, again, Jordan, when he entered the league, no one knew that he was going to be that guy. I don't care what anybody says. I love at the end of the, I don't want to jump ahead because I like that you have your notes. I'm not going to mess up your notes, but he's the third pick. And we have to, when you're watching this movie, you know what has happened now. But at that moment, when this is happening, the third pick, the third pick is not in charge of your destiny the same way this is right now. But maybe you also are in charge of your destiny because if you were the first pick, does Converse pay you more and you never even take the meeting with Nike? Do people stay out of it because that's the right deal? Because I'm the first pick. They have belief in me. Now I'm going to go there. Sam Bowie got picked over Michael Jordan. And he was a complete bust. Now, he played for several years. Yeah, but he was, look, he was like. He just didn't have the body. To was he the up. number one pick? He was. The, I think he was number one. And then it Yeah, was, so you're the number, number one pick and you're a bust? Who's number? But he wasn't a bust. He played for a long time. I know, but to, he. It was, it was, he was the twin. It wasn't he the Twin Towers, wasn't it? No, that was uh, Akeem Olajuwon and fuck, what's that guy's name? Yeah, let me, what, what, what year was that? Uh. No, that wasn't Sam Bowie at all. No, okay, you're right. No, it wasn't. I'm, that I'm was Akeem Olajuwon. I, I know it's not Otis Thorpe. It was Akeem Olajuwon. What, what did, and what, what year did uh, Jordan come out? Uh, 80, 84, right? NBA Jordan. Or 87. 
80s. Wait. <clears throat> NBA draft. Top picks. Top picks, 1987. Just give me the fucking list. Draft selection. <laughs> this is Dude, it. I believe, no, I believe, this is because Scottie Pippen is the fifth pick in that, so it's not 87. We don't even NBA draft year Michael Jordan. 84, then it's 84. Wait, I got you yelling at me in that. This is where some of the writers that write into the podcast and some dudes hit me up on Instagram, like, dude, this is why you need me to be you guys' producer so I could pull this shit up immediately. Dude, no one pulls it up immediately. Most people just have editing that's better than ours. But we like you to have the gritty, dirty part of our fucking podcast. So it's 84, right? Yeah, it is 84. Jordan came in 84. Michael Jordan signs Bulls, 1984. So 84, NBA draft. NBA, 84, draft. Sam Bowie's number one. Uh, Kim one is number one. Sam Bowie's two. Michael Jordan's okay. three. And he went to Portland, Sam Bowie. That's right. I got this all fucked up. Akeem Olajuwon, yeah. sorry. I'm in my head, I'm fucked up. Uh, so yeah, so let's do it. Akeem Olajuwon, you could still make a case that that was, uh, uh, even knowing what you know now, it, it would be hard to make that case. But going at what you would, Akeem over Michael, yeah, especially at the okay. time, it's a dominant, it's a, a big league. Sam Bowie, because he was a bigger player, yeah, that's that's rough, and he did. He just, but he he had he he did have uh, health problems. I know that. Then Jordan, Sam Perkins, number four, solid player, didn't become like that superstar player, but he was he was integral to the teams that he played on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Barkley, Barkley was a beast too. You could have picked Barkley could have went to Sam Bowie if Barkley would have went ahead. Michael Jordan went to Sam Bowie's position, and you're looking back at it right now. Would you have any issue with that? Well, didn't they say that? Uh Portland wouldn't have wanted Michael because they already had Clyde Drexler. Drexler. And then, well, yeah, but, uh, you know. Uh, so Bowie, Bowie is a compliment to Drexler. Drexler. So that's the, that's the work. That's right. to make the team work. But no one knows. But, no but, but, but obviously no one knows. But if they had any, if they had any glimpse into the future, they pick Michael Jordan. Yeah, but you're not. You Portland can't. picks Michael Jordan and goes, hey, uh, Drexler, we're going to ease you up out of here. If I told you that. Possibly the two two best players that were going to play in the '90s were going to come out in the draft, and I said guaranteed two best players '90s draft, no matter what. And you knew that was for for the truth. There was no way that that was wrong. And I said, here's Akeem Olajuwon, and here's Michael Jordan. Who are you taking without knowing what Jordan oh, did? Oh, Akeem. Okay, but again, it, it's a big man's league, so yeah, yeah. Then I would have hated myself for all eternity. So, so, <laughs> so this isn't a ridiculous thing. You just Sam Bowie just didn't play to the potential that he had. But I know that he was, I know that he was jacked up. Center, yeah, he played though. How many years? But ago? he didn't really. He didn't. He wasn't as impactful. He was, no, as he, you think. no, he wasn't. But it was just. Yeah. But when you say bust, you think about someone who just falls out of the league. Kwame oh, Brown. Okay, so. Um. Getting back to this, getting back to where we were, he's still the number three pick. He isn't, he isn't, they had to see it in him to really want to do it. Well, and and again, this is what I loved about Matt Damon's character. And he was considered, as they said in the movie, a guru of basketball. He saw it. He saw it. He he saw it. I like, but that's from his, I know that's from his perspective. And I like how they broke it down, how he saw it and how he looked at, uh, the coach. Who was the coach for uh, North Carolina at the time? Uh, Dean Smith. He saw Dean. Why would Dean Smith put him in that position? If he didn't know, he, he knew that the 18-year-old was better to be in that position than anyone else right. on the floor. So he saw what Dean Smith saw. That makes sense to me. That makes right. sense. But Sonny Vaccario, and who has who is essential in what's happening in the NCAAs right now, uh, right. They talked about that a little bit, but if you read about him, he's more famous for that than he is for Jordan because there's a disagreement between who is the one who brought the Jordan brand to life. Right. Okay. So I love when Matt Damon was trying to sell uh, Jordan to Phil Knight. And this is when I kind of like pumped myself in, in the theater when he just said, this guy's a fucking killer. And, and I just, I, this is why I go, man. 
this young generation, man, they, they just don't understand Mike was an assassin. And I love when they try to say shit like, man, y'all act like he won every game. Y'all act like he didn't, he didn't lose before he started winning. Again, no true Jordan fan says that or thinks that. We know he lost. It's called a learning curve. No, again, I've said this. Other than Magic Johnson, no one has ever come into the league and won a championship immediately. Magic did it his rookie year. Fucking unheard of. But you just knew that once Michael won and got the right pieces around him, he was a stone-cold killer. The way he played, poetry and motion, grace, beauty, killer instinct. And, and, and I don't want to turn this into a MJ versus LeBron, but God damn it. But I, see, I lived through this era. I, I saw it with my own eyes. I've seen him live. I saw him on TV. And as I've always said, I know Muhammad Ali was a bad motherfucker. I love Muhammad Ali. Turn into Chris Rock. I love Muhammad Ali. Uh, I love Muhammad Ali. But that was my dad's era. I can only imagine how amazing it must have been to see him in his prime live. There's no way I can, I can fully grasp how amazing it was because I just didn't see it. But I see it on YouTube. I've seen the tapes. Uh, and I still recognize his greatness, but it ain't the same thing as in person. Okay, there's a few things that go into this. One, you're pro when you when you talk about uh, LeBron versus Michael, uh, and I think that's the problem because it's versus. Like there's one and two. No one is saying that it's Michael Jordan number one, LeBron back of the bus. We're saying that there's a plane in the air, and the pilot is M Michael Jordan, and the co-pilot, if you want to put him there, is LeBron. I probably don't put him as my co-pilot, but I'm just saying, I know most of the people are going to say, well, he's great. Few things that go into this. One is, again, when I talk about uh, how people just accept certain things instead of looking at them, big picture and learning from them, uh, you just see athleticism and there's so much of it now, you just assume uh, that this NBA has always been this way. If you didn't have athleticism and because of the rules are different now and they're made so athletes can start, can shine now, uh, you just had to be a brute. You had to be a Lambeer. You got to take someone's head off. There was fighting. You got a technical foul back then meant blood and an injury. It didn't mean someone turned their elbow and it accidentally hit someone. And that's a technical foul. That was not a technical foul in our day. That was not a technical foul in Jordan's day. That was not, that was, uh, that was that probably not even a whistle. Right. If it's an accident, it wasn't a whistle. You had to have blood for it to be a whistle. If it was an accident and half the time it wasn't even called because they weren't looking for it. It's a different game. I get that. But I'm not saying LeBron is a scrub because I'm saying Jordan was the probably the best athlete that I can think of to play basketball. Uh, I think he's the greatest basketball player that ever played. I still, uh, I mean, I love Kareem. You brought a, a, those are my those three. I think you can put in my three. I don't know who my fourth is, but you know it, when you have Jordan and you have Michael, uh, sorry, uh, Magic, and then you have Kareem, and then you brought up. Only uh, Magic was the only one to win his first year. But he doesn't win that without Kareem being there already. Yeah. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> Literally, no one was stated that no one was going to be a bull after Michael Jordan got there. That was going to be a rebuild, a teardown to the beginning. And that's the reason he didn't win when everybody's yelling. He didn't win when he first got there. That was a rebuild. Yeah. It was the beginning of the rebuild. Right. As he said in Last Dance, they referred to by the paper as the cocaine traveling circus. I don't talk much about that because Phoenix had its own problems at that time, too. And listen, let me just add to that one thing before I make my next point. You know, because, listen, I love Gilbert Arenas. I did his podcast. Super cool dude. But sometimes when I watch him talk about this era versus our era, he infuriates me to the point where I want to put hands on him. Because uh, he says wild shit. Like when he goes, oh, people talk about tough fouls and more physical in, in the old era. Why? Because they beat you up? Because they just beat you up? Yeah. Well, well <laughs> to that, okay, I don't think it was a beat you up, but certainly because the physicality was far more tougher. You want to talk about that? Talk about athleticism? It takes a lot of athleticism to weave through that. 
to have to score against that. So if you if 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 athleticism is your bragging point, today's athletes are more athletic. Okay. But like you just said, they play in a time now where they're allowed to be able to have the freedom to show that show that athleticism because the physicality isn't there. So imagine having to play against that kind of physicality and still score 30 points, still find a way to finish at the rim with a layup or a dunk. So come on, man. Don't just relegate that to, oh, they just beat you up. Okay. It was the WWF. Okay, and let me add one more thing to that because what you just said, and I said, yeah, beat you up. Yeah, it's, and this is why Jordan is the greatest. It's the mindset because you knew that you were going to go in there and get beat up. And yeah, you might, that might be cool the first five times you get fucking knocked down or get an elbow or get hit in the chest with an elbow. Whatever happens to you happens to you. But after five of them, and now we're at the end of the game and the game is on the line and you got to go in there knowing you're going to get hit and harder because the game is at the end and you still take it in there. And you still have to score after all that. Man, it's the mental. It's not just the physical. You have and 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 the young the younger generation that you talk about, man, we're more athletic, but you're not stronger in there. And that's where the game is won. Because these guys are all great. These guys can play ball. It's what happens up here that makes the difference in the game. And that's also what makes the difference between having a company. And being uh, making some money and being Michael Jordan, right. Okay. right? Yeah, you know, real quick, a little off topic, but still on topic because it's basketball. I saw a clip on Instagram where somebody said, "Man, how would Shaq do in today's era? Could Shaq play in today's era?" And Shaq himself addressed it, and he said, "I'm still playing today. I'm Giannis Akatapatempo, however you say his name." And he and he goes, "I'm I'm that dude, you know, in terms of the." The speed, he goes, yeah, I can't maybe shoot as good as him, but as far as the power, the agility, the athleticism, uh, the speed, the height, the ability, the boards, Duncan, I, I, I did all that. So what makes you think I couldn't play in this league? But of course, in the comments, yo, Shaq crazy if he think he could play today. Giannis is so much quicker and he's this and he's that. What? Before Shaq played with Phil, Shaq would bring the ball up in Orlando like a point guard. Look like a point guard, not just bring it up, but look like had, had, ball handling skills. Oh, God. It, it, it is very funny when people don't know their history. You have to know that you have to not just know it and read it. You got to see it. And we have the ability to see it. And you guys are still crazy. That's insane. Told me to cut you off, man, but we have to take a break. It's nothing personal. It's just business. But back to MJ, but that's insane that, that like, like these people in the comments, Shaq couldn't play today because what? This motherfucker was literally an 18 willow with speed, the girth of a building. And you know what? And as far as being tough and the, and the way that the game's called today, Shaq, as big as Shaq is, if Shaq gave anybody an elbow. Oh, but he did a couple times. But if he get, if that was a regular basis, someone would be dead. Shaq was really in control of his game. Right. Yet sometimes it happened because it is it is Ask Matumbo. Well, he wanted to give that to him. Oof. Uh, but I'm just saying that's that's right. death. You know, he there's <laughs> right. this he wouldn't have been able to he could play. He was very in control of his game. And, and and as dominant as Shaq was on the court, he still was pleasant. Imagine if he had a New York Knicks mentality. 90s Knicks mentality with what he could do physically. I think they would have fouled him even harder, though, oh. at the end of the games. That's Shaq's bit. That's Shaq's my only thing with Shaq. The reason I don't put him in my top is because I can't have him in at the end of the game. I'm sorry, right. man. I still think he's one of the best ever to, to lace him up. Right. But that's my that's my 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 only quirk. I saw in an interview where Ben Affleck said Michael Jordan said he would only sign off on this movie if Viola Davis played his mom. Yeah, I, re I, I read that. Yeah. What do you think of her performance? I thought it was good. I don't like the. There's one scene in there where she's just staring off into space, and they kind of go around her to make her this like character of this unbelievable person. 
but it, it looked so posed. I didn't like it. I, really? I didn't understand what that. Did you know what scene no, I'm talking about? It's, no, no. it's towards the very end when they're all like kind of looking at what, what's what's transpiring. Right. That was the only scene I didn't like. I thought she did a great job. That's her husband that's playing her husband in the movie. Really? Yeah, that's what I I, I, I thought I read that. Oh, shit. That's her actual husband. That's her real husband? Wow. So, you know, that that chemistry should already be there. And it already it seemed like it was. <laughs> right. Because the very first thing he does is laugh. Uh, when the dude, when they start talking, like he's like, uh, like the, he knows what he's going to get. Right. That's why, again, I'm telling you, this movie is an ode to his Michael Jordan's mom. He look, this is how he sees her. No matter what anybody says, he sees her as like the, the, like you just said, the greatest business negotiator, the business. Right. That's how he sees her. And he gave her that. So I think right. it's great. I think it's great. Well, that I love that at the end, how they cut to the actual clips, like from his hall of fame yeah. speech, where he's, he's talking about his mother and giving her her flowers uh, and other clips, you know, uh, in regards to, uh, you know, I, I got the goosebumps when sometimes I dream. Yeah, they, I, yeah like, I, I started laughing when they, too, when they cut to that. Did you like her performance, though? Did you think she did a great job? Listen, Viola Davis is solid, man. She's just solid. Yeah, I, I thought she did great. No, I, I really, I, if you were Jordan, is there, if you're Jordan. Well, he picked her. He I know, that's what I was going right. to ask. Is there anybody else that you would go, I think this person could have pulled this off? Not even as well. Do you well, think there's someone I, out there? That I, I, I was surprised because it seems like the go-to black mom is always Angela Bassett. So uh, the fact that they went with uh, Viola, I thought was cool. I mean, I mean, listen, both are juggernauts acting wise. What do you think? How do you think uh, Angela Bassett would have done with it? You know, Kiki, uh, what's the black actress's name? Kiki, Kiki, God, what's her name? The black girl who did the movie, uh, the slave movie I told you about, where the slave plantation was in the woods. And when she ran oh, out yeah. the woods, it was regular present day. Her name is Kiki something. But she does a great Angela Bassett impression. Yeah. Because she said, Angela's all in the mouth and the lips. And I can't do it. But when you see her do it, it makes perfect sense. So my only thing would have been if, if she would have, if trying to be Dolores Jordan... She gave us Angela Bassett. Yeah, because Angela Bassett plays bigger. She usually plays a little bigger. Like this, this yeah. was a subdued character. Yeah. Her, her, it was within her, not right. out of her, to be okay. the person that she's in. This okay. That, that's the only reason. Because when I think of Angela Bassett's greatest performances, of course, What's Love Got, and that's out. That's out. That's when big. you think of the mother in uh, Black Panther, that's out. Oh. So yeah, I see what you're saying. Even in uh, the other one, uh, the 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 love affair one, uh, the love affair one. What's the movie that she does when the younger guy that she's with the younger guy? Uh, uh, oh, it's a uh, woman's movie. We're not you. We're, How Stella got a groove back? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's still out. I didn't really see that. That's no. It's a woman's movie. You're not right. going to go see it, right? I, can I be honest? Yeah, I didn't see it either. But the clips I saw, <laughs> it's a it's, it's a it's outwardly. It's right. outwardly. Um. And do I, 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 and I, and I also saw before I saw this movie. Not that I, and even before I saw the interview, I knew they weren't going to do it. But I was wondering, what are they going to do it? Are they going to have an actor play Michael Jordan? And then I saw Ben Affleck give the interview when he said, "We didn't want to have an actor play Michael Jordan because the moment you see that, you're going to go, it's fake. Yeah, it takes you out of the movie. It takes you out of the movie. So I thought they did a great job with hiding him." Uh, whoever played the body double, yeah. the front, and I said to you from the back, he looked like Michael Jordan. No, they have his name in here. Uh, but they, it, even in the scenes where they showed the family all together, but the way they cut the, the angles of the camera and put him behind certain things where you didn't even get a good side there. profile, I thought was pretty pretty cool. What was good? What was good about it is because if you don't know that they're not going to show him, you're looking for him. And exactly. So you're still looking and hoping you get that glimpse. Right. But they did it well. They they really and had did. you saw an actor trying to pull that off, it would have took you out the movie. There you go. What's his name? Damien Delano Young. And from the back, he looked like Jordan. They should have actually put his picture in this the opposite way. Mm. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so you see the back of his head? That's hilarious. That is him. I recognize that. That head, yeah. Uh, who Did you like, before we, because I know we're going to talk mainly yeah. about Jordan, but is there any character, did you like all the characters? Uh, yeah, I did. I, I, I'm surprised they did a man like that. Comedian Al Madrigal. Yeah. He didn't have shit. You know, that was him, right? In the boardroom meeting. Yeah. yeah. But he didn't, they didn't give him nothing. 
Let's see. Well, I'm trying to remember what the guy's name. They, they, he didn't even have a name in it, did he? Al Madrigal. Yeah, you see him? Yeah, but you know, I'm looking for him. Where? Oh, he's... Maybe... Did he? I don't think he had a line. No, I don't think he did. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he had a line. Uh, there's something on the editing room floor, though. I'm sure yeah, probably it. is, yeah. I don't even see it in there. Uh, Jason Bateman. I th- he... <laughs> He did. He looked like the guy from the seventies, except they said I just turned forty-four to forty-five, and I'm like, dude, you look fifty-five though now. <laughs> you do look fifty-five, but only because I know how young Jordan and right. Jason Bateman looked when he was in his forties. Um, dude, there's certain dudes I could just watch act all day. Ben Affleck, did you think he did a good I job? I thought Ben, Matt, and Jason was solid. I love when they were in all or when they were all in scenes together. What about uh, Chris? I don't know, Messina. The David he Falk. played off David. I thought he was good as David Falk. Yeah, Crazy thing is, I'm only used to seeing David Falk without hair. Yeah. And I pictured that dude that was playing him without hair. And he he, he to me, he looked like him. Chris Tucker. I, and I knew exactly who Chris was playing because again, the last dance, when he when the when the actual guy was like, We gonna pay him what? A rookie what? Who hasn't done anything in the NBA? I like when uh it's in the commercial that they always show on TV, but when he goes, that's exactly the definition of a rookie. When Phil Knight yes. is saying to him, someone who's never even stepped Dude, I him. obviously didn't know anything about Phil Knight, uh, but I didn't know until this movie. But damn, that real motherfucker, and then they showed his real picture. He really had a thing for sitting there with his feet out. Oh, yeah. On the desk with no socks. Yeah, so did uh, um, the dude from Apple. Um, Steve Jobs? Yeah. He didn't wear shoes a lot of times. Man, put your socks on, man. Got to get that connection with the earth. Fuck that. No, I'm, t- I'm telling you, though, there's a lot of people talking about this because we wear shoes, because everything is we walk on carpet, we walk on top. We, we don't want, we, we're not connected to the earth. We need to, re- you need to take your shoes off and go stand in the grass every now and then, like at a park and take your shoes off and get connected with the earth. I'm serious. Jesus. Um, I was just trying to think of anybody. Uh, a pivotal character that's really underplayed in this, uh, that's playing George Raveling, Marlon Wayans. Mm. He had a very it was a small part. Right. What do you what do you what do you think of his performance? It was two buddies, right? So it was a good performance. Yeah. I felt like it was two buddies. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um <laughs> I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I was trying to ask real questions. Uh, dude, that scene uh where Jordan finally comes to Nike and they do the pitch and they're in the room and they're playing the video, and I turned to you and said, Oh, I almost like it pained me, like, oh, I know that feeling, trying to sell something, trying to sell yourself, trying to get them to like you, and then looking around at each other uncomfortably like, this isn't going well. That feeling in the pit of your gut, I know I felt the pain in that scene. Like they're trying to impress Mike and his family, but mainly Mike. But you could just see it, how it's not going well, and everybody's getting nervous. And I was just like, oh, God, but what brought it home beautifully and this is, again, why you love Matt's character. He said, cut, cut the film off. Spoke from the heart. But that spoke from the truth. That's also going back to Ravling's character, where he's talking about him with, uh, uh, with, with Martin Luther King. And right. Martin yeah. says the, the speech wasn't going well because he, he has his speech, and he really owns the speech. Right. So he, he, and he saw that that line wasn't in there. I got a dream. And that he spoke from the heart and he got the crowd and he pulled him, he pulled that in. So that moment, <laughs> that's the realization. This, this is the movie moment where he says, right. and he goes off script and cut the video. But that video, if you're Jordan, if you're Jordan and you're not even into Nike and they show you something that you've already done and it's on a loop, he's playing and you keep seeing that shot from the final four. What, what's impressive about that? I know what I've done. But here's what I thought brought it home for Jordan. When Matt started speaking to him, it was like a coach was talking to him. Right. It was like Dean Smith was right. talking to him. Right. And the whole thing about, you know, the shoe can only be so special until the right person steps in it. The shoe is just a shoe. Until the shoe, the shoe. Right. The shoe was just a shoe until the person steps in it. And that whole speech, I, listen, man, I think that speech with Matt Damon's performance goes down as some of the best movie speeches. Like when somebody has to do a monologue of a speech that, 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 that got me a little, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what I like that they gave credit to that he gives credit to it in the movie, uh, 
to Sonny's character is that he got that from watching Arthur Ashe talk about the racket, from playing with right. that racket. And the racket, you know, is racket you can have. We can all have this racket. Right. This racket didn't make me better, really, is what it's saying. I'm the racket. Right. Right. I made that racket do this. Right. But you can play with my racket. You can, That's as close. Basically, this yeah. is as close as you're ever going to get to being this good. And that was always the selling point for the Jordans. Yeah. You, you wear the sneakers that Mike wear. You might be able to. You're not, but you might. Right. right. <laughs> be right. like, be like Mike. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's that's every marketing campaign is to be like Mike. Right. Because that's as close as you're going to get. Uh. So, yeah. That that speech and that speech moved me, man. It just it felt so honest, and that's what I'm what I'm talking about when I go honest. Like Patrice said, you can't beat honest. Honest always wins. I love when they talk about when this is all said and done and when everything's broken apart. Right. Only, you know, talking about everybody in the room trying to get him to be part of this. Only your legacy is going to be left. Right. But I love, and this is the part that I love, because this is honest. When I talk about playing the white guy honest, mm-hmm. when Phil, when the Phil Knight character goes, no, I, I think I'll be remembered. Like that whole thing about Jordan, the shoe, the business, the company. Right. What hit him was, right? Wait, wait I think I, I think I, I have some, uh, some sustainability. I think I'm substantive. I think some people right. are going to remember me, right, right? Right? You think so? You, you know, he was actually asking that question. I think that's the honesty of real people, and people who are successful have that. And and also, and this is where the thing about this this, this blurred line with money, how Phil didn't know. That they said, yeah, we'll pay the fines. Five thousand dollars. Five thousand a game. He didn't even know what the fine was gonna right, be. Right, right. But 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 yeah, we, we, it's we, like we, if he decided not to do it and not to make the classic red and black shoe, and they went with the NBA rules, it was the all predominantly 50% white shoe. 51%. 51%. Look at you, you Jew. Uh no, I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay. Does does the Jordan thing even happen? Because that shoe was also the selling point. When he came in the room and he saw it. Well, that's that's the uh Strasser, the other guy that Jason Bateman's playing. That's yeah. his 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 was no, no, we'll do that. He 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 saw that as marketing. That's better than a commercial. I'll pay that five thousand dollars for the day because that's gonna get me more attention than one five than a commercial. Right, bill. but if but but if but if but if Phil had stuck to company policy, policy right. then that but, moment doesn't happen. But that's what I'm saying. Sometimes the businessman, the guy who owns it, forgets what the marketing is. And that's why he was like, Wait, we're gonna pay that? But if you think about it, five thousand dollars for one day of that that's gonna go on. That's gonna be a controversy. That's worth money. You you'd spend that right. money in a second if someone said I could get you into this many homes for five thousand dollars, you would go, right. okay, yeah, right now. Uh so I, I love that part of it. The reason I brought up the fifty one percent is I used to work at this place called uh, Raw Sushi. And uh I was I was the GM and I had these red and black vans mm. and we had to wear black shoes, but they're checkerboard. And I said and to the guy, so the, the district manager, he goes, uh, <laughs> he said, you can't wear those because it has to be at least 50% black shoes, or, you know, predominantly black shoes. I go, so anything over 50%? He goes, yeah. Well, in, the, in those shoes, the inset is black. So I go, it's over 50%. He goes, yeah, but the checkerboard, which sticks out of your shoe, they need to be black, Andy. I can't have you wearing these. I go, our colors are red and black. These are red and black vans. And you have a problem with that? He goes, it has to be over 50% black. And I took my Sharpie out and I took one of the red squares <laughs> and I made it black. And I go, will you get off my fucking ass now? Right. And he still wanted me to get rid of him. But that's why when you said oh, okay. it, in my head, that same thing is happening. That brought back a memory. Memory where I was pissed about that. Told me to cut you off, man, but we have to take a break. It's nothing personal. It's just business. Uh, towards the end of the movie, uh, while they're showing some of these, uh, some of this footage of actual Michael footage and stills, uh, this little note comes up and it said, Michael Jordan makes $400 million a year in passive income annually from Air Jordan. Passive income. For f- $400 million is passive income. That's uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I want to know what the aggressive income wow. is. Wow. <laughs> What's the aggressive income? On Jesus, that? passive. Yeah, uh, it's 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 amazing. 
And then the, the and, and I'm not taking anything away from Michael's mom by saying like I don't know that that was all her coming up right. with that idea, but that idea you know basically rev- revolutionized the fact that Nike went for it right revolutionized how athletes got paid. And but here's the other thing though this has been going on. This is another reason why Michael's the greatest. Other people can get this deal. Other people can get a deal where they can get a percentage. Other people have owned their own shoe lines. Right. Who, who, which one, which one's making more money than Michael Jordan? Mm. How many years after being out of basketball? And, and let me see. I'm glad you said that. Cause now this takes me to my point, which I go again, sometimes my people, black people who I love dearly and I'm proud to be black. Can't see the forest beyond the trees. So he revolutionized how athletes in a sport that's predominantly black get paid so that they can feed themselves and their families. It also said that the Michael Jordan, the, the, the James Jordan Foundation gives millions to athletes and their families. Again, I'm sure a lot of those athletes are black. But come on, black people, let's, let's hear it. He don't do shit for the black community. Michael Jordan don't do shit for black people. You niggas are never satisfied, man. And you can't see the forest beyond the trees. Let me say again, revolutionize the way athletes in a predominantly black sport get max money so that they can take care of themselves, their families, and decide to open up black businesses if they choose to and help within the community. All of that comes from the roots of the tree called Air Jordan. All those branches now that are there come from the roots of that tree. But Michael Jordan don't do shit for black people. While you're speaking of those roots, I just want to let you know that the, the roots was planted by Peter Moore, who's the designer for Nike. <laughs> it also, also came up without, with the Jumpman logo. Without, without MJ, you don't have any of that. Without the Jumpman. You don't have the logo. You don't have the design. You don't have nothing. Yeah, you don't, you don't need it. You don't need it. But there's a lot of people that don't have this design. The, the Air Jordan logo, the Dunkman logo. Uh, he's a very interesting character, this guy. Yes. Uh, but I, I have different stories, but I don't want to take you away from what you're doing. No, that's my la- That's really my last point. Okay, so I'm going to go over some of the things that I had some issues, not issues with, but just thought, here's my biggest issue at the whole, of the whole thing, uh, the, the experience of going to this movie with you. Today, Aries went to the movie theaters with me. We went early uh, because we wanted to get this, we wanted to see it and come do the podcast so that we'd be... I know, I see your note and I can't wait to tell you what I'm about to tell you. Go ahead. <laughs> And Aries ordered a hot dog at, at 10 something in the morning. And and this dude who worked there is, is, I think is the manager, but he wouldn't be able to manage anything that I've ever thought of owning in my life. But anyway, order, Aries orders the hot dog. Everything's a problem. Uh, but basically, there's no mustard. Aries can't, Aries can't put mustard. There's no basically. There is none. No, no there's no mustard. So and Ari- I eat my hot dog with mustard. Okay, so he ate a hot dog at 10 something in the morning with nothing on it. And ketchup. Some, okay. Oh, okay. You did put ketchup I on put it. Ketchup Thank on it. God. I wasn't happy about it. A naked hot dog. You might as well be putting dick in your mouth. It's like I was looking at you. I was like, I didn't want to even see you eat that hot dog. But Aries had that hot dog. That was the most disturbing part of this movie to me. Now, man, before, you, 10, before you 10 get 10 off that, before you get off that note, okay. I carry with me in my backpack at least ten packs of mustard. And you didn't have your backpack. I didn't have my backpack because I wouldn't have known that the theater wouldn't have mustard. But I was sitting in the theater like, damn, if only I had grabbed a pack of mustard out of my backpack. I have mustard here that I threw away from my burger that I had. And I thought about it when you were going through it. I thought about running back here and just getting you the fucking well, mustard. Well, I wouldn't have taken the mustard you pulled out the garbage can. I wouldn't can. have told you it was in the garbage can. It didn't touch anything. The mustard is in a, it's in a bag that I got from my food and it's still in the bag. You know, my blackness would have been upset. At I you wouldn't have told it. you. I wouldn't have told you. I can tell you now because <laughs> I wouldn't have told you then. So, uh, that was that was the beginning of it. And I was like, damn, I want to have a good time with this movie. And this this manager here is <laughs> fucking up the movie experience from the beginning. And uh, that's what I was kind of pissed at is that he was fucking up. So AMC, I am I already sent you a message on your uh, customer complaint line. I already did. Have some fucking mustard. And the reason I did is because you can't be out of mustard. 
Listen, if I if I was managing the fucking AMC and someone came in at 10 o'clock in the morning and wanted one of your hot dogs and spitting on your shit, I would just walk down. I'd say, you know, sir, you know, we should have mustard. Give me a second. And I'd walk down to one of the, the, the places down below that's in the food court and I would have got some mustard and brought them up. The same thing happened to me when I went to a restaurant once and they told me they were out of Coke. And I said, no, you're not out of Coke. He said, no, no, we don't have any Coke. I said, yeah, but they're still making Coke. And you just go over to the store in your fucking car because you're the manager and you pick up a couple, two liters or some cans of Coke and you put it behind the bar because some people, when they want a Coke, only want a fucking Coke. I don't know. I've been in the restaurant business a long time. Fuck all of you managers that are piece of shits. That don't go and do your fucking <laughs> job. Uh, yeah, you have a busy day, but we came in. Fucking go get the mustard and go get the fucking Coke. Okay, so the next part, uh, Peter Moore is, is uh, I did bring this up, and this is the only thing uh, we could talk about. Um, uh, Sonny, uh, wh what his place was, because there is a big argument over who really is, who really brought this to fruition. And what I like about this is I said Michael gave several different accounts of how his line came up. And I think Michael at the very end, and this movie basically said it to me, my mom did this. I don't care what we say. It doesn't get here without my mom. And that's what I took from this movie. If I took anything from the movie, Michael's feelings is this is my mom. My mom made this happen. Thank you, mom. That's what that's how I take this movie. Right. Because uh, uh, Rob Strasser, uh, Jason Bateman character, played a huge role in it that they don't talk about. Uh, it doesn't even get talked about. But in this, you see that uh, as they do the movie, Sammy uh, Vicario takes a lot of uses a lot of what other people are saying and basically he runs with it and you just see everybody give a nod to it like yeah that's okay because you're doing what's this for all of us right. you're doing this for all of us so uh i i the reason they didn't talk about it is because they can't have every character put in their influence like that because it right. it's hard to follow so they usually do that with one character but um that was that there was a bigger impact from certain people. But the thing that makes me uh, kind of cringy about this is that Peter Moore is a great designer, but he's a designer. He's made a lot of great shoes. He is no longer alive, so I'm not talking bad about him at all. Uh, he makes, but as far as the functionality, that was something that Michael Jordan had a problem with was the functionality of the Air Jordan. He wanted the shoe to be made for an athlete, like they said in it. And that was one of the Peter Moore's designs, is to lower the shoe in the beginning because he that's what he liked about Adidas is that it was lower to the ground, less room for twerking on your shoe, your ankles turn. That, that, so that's what he liked. Uh, and I give Peter Moore a lot of credit for all the logos that he did, who he eventually went to Adidas and he uh, created that mountain logo that's being used now. So he, he is definitely in very important to the story, very important to who he is. But Tinker Hatfeld is the one that Jordan actually worked with to develop the Nikes that Jordan actually loved. The reason he stayed with Nike, there was points where he, if they couldn't get the shoe right, that he didn't want to be part of it because he wanted a good shoe to go out. He wanted a, a good shoe. So Jordan is just as much a part of launching this, obviously, because not only because of his name, but his demand that his athletic shoe actually worked for athletes, which was different. You used to just put out a shoe and the athlete wore it, and then you sold the shoe to, to the general public. He wanted a shoe that worked for it. And he does feel, and I forgot the number, but you'll know the number when I say it. It's the his favorite shoe that he felt was the most functionality and style was the uh, one with the black patent leather. Yeah, I don't know the number. Uh, but that's the but one. I, yeah, I know that shoe. Uh, again, I've never been a big sneakerhead. And uh, as much as I love Jordan, I wasn't big on Jordans. I just, you know, I, I only wore Air Force Ones, all white, or Tim's. I know. I love Jordans. Uh, I like them all. I have. I Not all. Uh, but there's some that I like more than others. Right. But I really do <laughs> like Jordans. But the first one, the original Jordan Ones, w was a hit. But it was he, Jordan wanted more than just to be a good looking shoe. Yeah. And uh, that's where they had these things. And I think Phil Knight's the one who brought Tinker in to work with Jordan. That's when they started really developing the, the Jordan line. Also, though, with Peter, uh, more with the logos, because he did the Jumpman logo, uh, uh, the wings, all the all the stuff that he did that was the beginning, the inception of uh, of, of the Jordan brand. was was He was at it. But Tinker, if you want to know more about him, and you see this movie and you want to know more about the production, and I just go uh, watch this. It's a documentary. Uh, it's called Abstract, The Art of Design. And there's eight episodes, different designers, and they're all worth seeing. But none, I think Tinker's probably the most famous out of all of them to the general public. Uh, but check it out, because Tinker's really important in this story, and he doesn't ever get brought up, which 
the time period of when it's made, of course, it didn't get brought up. But Ben Affleck, I did think I, when I first saw it, and I'm going to give Ben Affleck a lot of credit because I didn't, uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't on him for Batman. And when I saw he's going to play well, Phil, connect, right? I didn't think he was going to play Phil Knight. That was worthwhile. But right. even the running scenes with the goofy running in Phil Knight, is no, he always ran, but goofy. Right. Uh, it, there was something to it. There was something to it, and and, and he hits those those lines when he, when it's like that. Air, the arrogance comes through, but in a goofy right. kind of way. And you know, no, because because Ben Affleck, I'm sure he's a good looking tall guy. I'm sure that his arrogance comes out in a more good looking uh, bravado than than Phil Knight. Listen, and, and he played it right. This movie, Batman and the Town. I'm convinced Ben is a bad boy. Ben is a bad boy, man. He got the chops. So no, I, I was I was surprised. I, I actually was surprised. I, I didn't think I thought this movie because it was them. I thought right. that's why he was playing it. Right. And then when he played the character, which I said, I still think he doesn't look anything like Phil Knight. Phil Knight is not a good looking dude. Yeah, no, he's not. He's a goofy right. looking dude. And I was like, how are they going to have Ben Affleck play this character? What's the name? Oh, Bobby Knight. For some reason, I was thinking Phil Knight was Bobby Knight. No. Okay. But Phil Knight, he's, he's done, you know, uh, I love I love that they do bring the character back a little bit where at the end he goes, you know, uh, and this is, you won't know this unless you see the movie, but when he says, yeah, this, you know, I, this is how we, this is how I, I started the business. This is basically going back to Phil, no matter how good you are, when you become rich and you do that, you have to be reminded sometimes how you got there in the first place. Right. And so it, I, I do like, there's other things in the movie just besides this tennis shoe uh, the sneaker, sorry, and uh, and Michael Jordan, and there's a lot to this. I thought it was, I thought it was a way better movie than I thought it was going to be. Go see it, guys. It's good. Fucking loved it. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, oh, we're right, we're right there. Shit. We're right. Oh. You know where we are? Where? An hour and thirty-one minutes. So what is that? Chopped into two forty-five. Is it really? Yep. Look at us. Uh, let me give you the dates, and, oh. and then we can we can congratulate each other like we we did something. And, and look, uh, you know what? There was no there's no n words in this episode. I don't think there was. Really? No, there is. There is. I said, uh, <laughs> don't, don't say it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, no, no, I can sing it. Okay. Uh, you niggas are never satisfied. <laughs> 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 Dude, you're ready to write jingles, man. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Michael Jordan ain't never do nothing for black people. What do you do for black people? So fuck out of here with that. All right, guys. Uh, you're listening to this. I think we... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be arriving here shortly at uh, the Arlington Improv, Arlington, Texas, uh, April 27th through the 30th. May 5th to the 7th, we're going to be at the Cleveland Improv. Just a bit outside, Kaka. There, there we go. May 25th or the 28th, Helium will be you ready Portland, eat, you Oregon. Ready, you ready to eat some cannolis? Yeah. I, you know, I always like when he comes out and brings <laughs> us the cannolis and the cookies. Uh, I'm going to talk to him about some other stuff. fuck a cannoli. I want to talk to him about Fucking his, pushy, love the cannolis. I'm going to talk to him about his other business. That fat fuck, there. he put in his fucking cannolis. probably spit some of that cream out of his ass when he turned to the fucking FBI. <laughs> He's such a nice guy. Loves you. He does, man. He'd come out all the shows. The guy really fucking love me. Let me beg his fucking wife. I got a fucking cannoli. A black cannoli with the fucking cream. Leave the gun. Take the cannolis. Leave the gun. Take the cannolis. Where's that from? The Godfather. Who said it? What is the guy? What, what an Italian guy. An Italian guy. <laughs> it's take, the, it is. take the gun, leave the cannolis. It's, yeah. It's, no, leave the gun, take the cannolis. It's leave the we, gun, take the fuck of cannolis. It's when they shoot him in the shoot him they do it in the back of the head and they get into the other car. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Leave the fuck of gun, take the fuck of cannolis. What's the matter with you? And and then in Goodfellows, it's the thing about the coffee. What are you fucking making a fuck of coffee? Put the fucking coffee down. She's gonna make a fuck of coffee. It's always, you know, coffee and cannoli is very important. Uh, like I said, uh, it's Port Portland, Oregon, helium. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. You choking May on the fuck of cannoli? Yeah, May twenty fifth to the twenty eighth, helium, Portland, Oregon. June first uh, to the third, we're going to be in San Francisco at Cobb's Comedy Club, and June 9th through the eleventh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I almost stepped. I up. kept it short. Yes, I almost, I almost stepped on it. Shouldn't have been out like that. 
uh, June 11th, 9th through the 11th, we'll be at the Pittsburgh Improv in, in Pittsburgh, but it's Homestead, but it will be in Pittsburgh. And that's where we're going to be, man. Come see us. You got a show. Come check us out. Dude, you know what I was looking at yesterday before the show? I was laying in bed and I was looking at uh, those Doseki commercials. The most interesting man <laughs> in the world. Dude, some of those were brilliant. Yeah. Some of those, the way they were written were fucking brilliant. But they felt like they were all based off of, to me, and I don't know if they, which one came first, so I could be completely wrong. But uh, the... Uh, this is where I forget people's name. Who's Texas Ranger? Oh, uh, Chuck Norris. Yeah, all those Chuck Norris. They sound like they Chuck Norris. They feel more to me like James Bond. James Bond. Yeah, but Chuck Norris, when they're all those like uh, COVID catches Chuck Norris or, you know, the, right. you know, the, 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 the basically. If he ever punched you in the face, you would have the urge to thank him. <laughs> that all sounds <laughs> there like. There was a couple that were. You know what it reminds me of? Uh, the, the, the point of the character. Burt Bridgewater. Yeah. Overly what a man is. He's the coolest guy in the world. Yeah. God, some of those were fucking brilliant. I don't think that, I don't think that they're going to be able to do commercials like that ever again, though. Oh, my God. You can't, you can't, I don't know, man. We're in a, we're in a, the pendulum is either going to swing back or. When in Rome, they do as he does. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. Oh. Got anything else? No, I think that's it. I was trying to think of some more of what they were, but God, those some of those were fucking good. What's your what's you guys' favorite uh, uh, most interesting man in the world? Dude, I told you if I I wish I, I you know when I had wrote my my own sketch show, I told you I had an idea uh, to do a bum character, a homeless guy. He was like the most coolest bum in the world, and I I, I basically patterned it after the Dosecki's guy, but I had one, but I think I used it for Burt Bridgewater. It was like uh, he sets himself ablaze to light his own cigarette. But I had a bunch of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, right, there it is. Thanks for listening to the Spears and Steinberg podcast. If you'd like to know who's responsible for this shit, well, it was hosted by Aries Spears and Andy Steinberg, produced by Steve Merrick and Anthony Holmes, executive producer, Big Papa, Robert Kelly, and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcast. For more information on where to find us on the internet, visit www.spearsbergpod.com. You don't like to do the face to face? No, I don't like that way. I don't like to see the face. You mean it? Nope. <laughs> That's crazy. Look, you can get a doggy style, you can get Ling on your side. Those are your only choices. This is my house and I get to say. Got it?